Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I am Scott Jones, your host. Athlete on Fire is a podcast where we take amazing, inspiring athletes all over the world, tell their story, and hopefully you guys can draw some strength for your own athletic endeavors. And I think today's guest is definitely going to inspire you to do just that. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm a little nasally today. I have had a beautiful sinus infection for about a week out here in the beautiful Colorado spring, but with that comes amazing budding flowers and trees everywhere, so I'm stuffed up. Hopefully it's not annoying you with this a little nasally voice. But today's guest is an adventurer first and foremost. He's traveled the world. He started his, his days in Europe, and he resides now in Colorado. He is a photographer, a coach, and an ultra runner. You're going to really enjoy his story. And if you do nothing else besides going to his website today at alpine-works.com, uh, then then you'll be a happy person because his website has some amazing pictures from all over the world. He's a great photographer, and his story just inspired me. I listened to it again, of course, to edit it, and he took me back to all those places that he did initially, and it's a great show. I am here in Colorado. It is officially spring, as you know, and it has been for a few weeks, but today was the first day. I don't know where you guys live, but but it's the first day where there wasn't that bite in the morning. There wasn't that chill in the morning, which, you know, after a long winter, it's pretty it's pretty refreshing to not have to deal with that. So I'm going to get out and hit the trails today. I'm doing a video for for all of you opt-inners uh, on the Athlete on Fire newsletter. So hopefully you guys will get that this afternoon and enjoy that. Uh, and if you aren't on that, then you can go to athleteonfire.com and sign up for the newsletter. And I've been kind of slacking on that, but I am picking it up I'm going to start engaging a lot more. I've had some personal changes in my life and I'm as far as moving and I haven't been able to get to get to it as much as I'd like to, but I'm all over it now. So you guys are going to really enjoy some of the new things I'm I'm bringing to to athleteonfire.com. That being said, I've had some great reviews lately. I'm going to actually go uh do some shout-outs for the next show on Friday uh this week, which which is uh it's going to be pretty interesting. So I'm going to give you guys who are giving me reviews some some time in the spotlight on athlete on fire anyway you guys uh i I hope you i hope you plug this one in before you go out for a long run or a long workout because it's going to keep you going for the next 45 minutes you're going to enjoy the show thanks so much for listening this is athlete on fire episode 36 thanks a lot prepare to be inspired by some of the most successful athletes on the planet this is Athlete on Fire, your daily source of amazing stories that will ignite your pursuit of excellence, inspiring you to be and do things. Now, I have one question. Are you fired up? Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, your host, and I am excited for today's guest. I'm sitting here looking at his website, alpine-works.com, and literally, I don't think I would have to talk the whole time if this was a, a video show. Uh, it's very inspiring stuff. He's an ultra runner, photographer. He does a lot of really cool stuff. His name is Joe Grant, and he is here with me today. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. So where are you coming from today? Uh, I live in Gold Hill, Colorado, which is a little tiny town outside of Boulder, uh, sort of up, up, up the canyon about 8,500 feet. Um, yeah. Nice, nice. So Joe, really quick, let me, let me tell you how the show works, all right? Okay. All right, we have three segments. We have Athlete Defined, which we're just going to start off here in a second and just get to know you a little bit, where you're coming from, what you're working on. Uh, then we go into Athlete on Fire, and that's really what is going on when you're competing at a high level, mentally, physically, the whole gamut. And then lastly is Athlete Inspired. 
And Athlete Inspired is is really going to be for the listeners to give them some really good quick takeaways so that they can go out and do some amazing things themselves. All right? Okay. All right, boom. So this is how I start every athlete defined. You're 15 years old. It's a Saturday in the middle of the summer. What are you doing all day and who are you doing it with? I would be back in my hometown in France, uh, Nantes, which is on the on the west coast of France, and I would be uh, rollerblading with my friends. <laughs> rollerblading, I guess, was cool in the 90s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 15 years old, that's what I've been doing, probably just uh, having a, you know, kind of a session with, with, with friends. Nice. It sounds like you are almost hesitant to say that because you kind of laughed at yourself when you said it. Well, you know, it was it was a big part of my youth, and it was a, definitely a really fun sort of you know part of my 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 upbringing. But it was also you know rollerblading is kind of seen in a in a funny way too these days, especially. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. So me on rollerblades is not it's not a good combination. I'd bust my freaking butt every time. All right, we're gonna. That question always segues into the next, which is let's talk about your childhood a little bit. What was it like? You know, what were your, what was your family life like? What kind of work ethic was instilled? And then we'll go into some, some, some unique stories about your family. Okay. So I guess I, uh, I was born in England, I in Oxford, England, and uh, spent a year, the first year of my life there, uh, before moving to to Spain for three years. My mom was, uh, my parents were both English teachers. And uh, so they taught for, for three years in Spain and then uh, moved to France after that uh, for the same reasons. To my, my parents were English teachers and they just kind of wanted to live in a place that was uh, a little bit more open, a little more laid back. And, um, and so we moved to the west coast of France um, and that's pretty much where I spent my entire childhood and uh, went to, to college in, in France as well. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a really great time. And, uh, my parents uh, like to travel a lot. I have family in the U.S., I had family in the U.K., uh, and so I, I definitely was able to get around uh, quite a bit as a kid and just be exposed to, to different cultures. And you know, being from England, but then also living in in France, I kind of got the, the you know the best of both cultures, uh, having the sort of British experience at home, and then. Uh, French experience at school and, and with my friends and everything. So Oh, that's really cool. So you got some, some interesting insights I can I can see for sure. Let's go into your parents a little bit. So I, I think everybody's parents they they have like this unique side to them that, that a lot of times only only the kids and the siblings get to see. And I always talk about like that moment when, you know, you're hanging out around the holidays or something and there's always a moment that pops up that everybody starts cracking up about or just reminiscing about. Is there is there a quirky moment or a unique time that you can think about that you can relate about your parents to us today? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, uh, my mom is definitely she's she's probably one of the most stoked people on the planet. She's just she's a very uh, excited um, and just very happy woman. Uh, and I I think uh, I guess a funny story about her was I remember at 2012 uh, I was down in the the San Juans running the Hard Rock. Um, hundred mile race, and uh, my mom was out there spectating, and she just got in from France, and she was just so so excited. She like hiked the last sort of section of the course, and it was just like pretty big deal. It was a six hour hike, and she just kind of went off by herself, and you know went over this thirteen thousand foot pass and cruised <laughs> back down into Silverton. You know wasn't acclimated, didn't bring a whole lot with her, but it's just kind of that 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 instinctual kind of happy go lucky sort of. Um, she really just kind of gets into, gets into life and doesn't, um, doesn't hold herself back. So 
definitely appreciate all that that positivity from her and and, and certainly get that for for myself you know in no, my life no that's great so have you ever have you read up on the adventure gene or the concept of the adventure gene before I've not, no. It, well, it's pretty interesting. Me and my wife were reading uh, a book called River of Doubt, and it was about Teddy Roosevelt after he lost his last term, and he went, you know, he was a big adventurer, so he went down, to, he brought one of his sons, and he went down to the Amazon, and he was going to map out one of the tributaries of the Amazon. Anyway, the book is really well written. I'll, I'll link it up. Uh, but they go off on these little tangents about, you know, why were people, why did people want to go do these amazing things? So we so they mentioned this adventure gene. So we we'd research we've researched it a little bit and it's it's pretty interesting. It's talking about a genetic predisposition to to adventure and the and the type of characteristics that people have um that are exposed to that gene. So you might want to check it out because it sounds like you might have a little of that going on in your genetics with your mom just hiking up a big old mountain, you know? Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds that sounds really interesting actually. Yeah, it is. It's really cool stuff. So so we get an idea where you come from. You you're uh you know, we're going to take a minute and I'm just going to have you explain, you know, what being an athlete means to you. What are you working on right now? Nobody knows what kind of athlete you are. I, I just said that you're a runner. So if you want to go into what your passions are in, in that realm, that'd be great. Yeah, I guess for me, it starts with uh, with sort of wild places, uh, mountains in particular. And, and that's really where I, I draw my inspiration from. So before even just being an athlete, it would just be uh, you know, the interest and in, in general to kind of desire to be in that type of environment. So I'm certainly drawn to to wild places, um, and I and I started kind of more as a as a climber. I was doing a lot of backpacking, fast packing as well, and and that kind of uh, led me into running as a sort of a simplified version of both of those things. So just a kind of a way to interact with the mountains, interact with um, just big natural spaces in a in a very simple way. So you take away a lot of the the gear, the accessories. And it's just a very direct link between, you know, myself and the environment. Uh, and that's kind of how I found my way, came into running. It was definitely not from a track and field background or even doing much running in, in school or anything like that. It was definitely more from a, an adventure-based kind of, um, you know, uh, approach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so tell me, uh, you know, name off four or five events that people listening might have heard of that, you, that you've done that you really enjoyed. Uh, the Hard Rock Hundred, uh, which is in the the San Juans of, of Colorado, uh, definitely one of my favorite events. Um, I've also done the the UTMB in France, which is running around uh, Mont Blanc, uh, going through France, Italy, and Switzerland. Uh, the Iditarod Trail Invitational, which is a three hundred fifty mile uh, race in, in the Alaska, yeah, up in Alaska. Uh, those are some of the highlights, I guess, of the things I've done. I've also been down to the the Copper Canyon to do the the 50 miler down there, the, the, the Caballo Blanco race, um, uh, a long time ago, that was 07, I think that I went down there. So yeah, those are a few events I think people would know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those are great events. And I, I know the copper, the copper Canyon ultra just, just finished up a couple of weeks ago and it's always inspiring to see, just see the community kind of rally around, which, which is a resounding theme in, in ultra running anyway. And, Definitely. and without, without going into too much of the events, we're going to get into that on the, in the second segment. I know you do some other things too. So you're a photographer, is that right? Yeah, I guess you. It's a hobby. I do. I do that to kind of just as a general interest of mine, for sure. Well, I like to tell people if if they get anything out of the show, just go to your home homepage, let us sit and go through the slider. I think uh, you've got definitely some skills, or at least where you where you're going is very inspiring because these pictures are just amazing. Thanks a lot. 
All right, so to end up uh, athlete defined, I think we have an idea of where you're coming from before we get into the meat of the meat of the show. Uh, tell me really quick, what's the most inspiring thing you've ever witnessed in person that has to do with athletics or competition? I guess if I was going to say in person, there's a lot of things. And just recently, um, uh, Dave Johnston's um, Iditarod record, where he ran uh, 350 miles in four days, uh, pulling a sled, uh, was was you know extremely inspiring to me and the kind of uh, sort of self-transcendent thing that I really, um, that I really get motivated by. Um, but in person, just directly sort of witnessing it, I would have to say at the Prefontaine classic, uh, uh, Bekele trying to break the uh, 10k, his 10k world record. Um, and I was just very close to the track and watched him just go lap after lap in the most sort of perfect form and perfect execution of sort of what all of what running is. And, that was that was a really cool moment. He he didn't quite break the record, but just the, the just the flow that he had and the way he runs is is uh is really something that you can kind of you know burn into your memory as a as a cool thing to remember. Yeah, that, is that is that one online anywhere that we could we could check it out? Um, I don't know actually. Uh, the you'd have to Google yeah, Prefontaine Classic. Um, gosh, I can't even remember the date. It's probably oh eight oh nine maybe. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, Kenny Silver Yeah, I mean, just just watching those guys run is is inspiring in itself. Much less when they're accomplishing some of these feats that are amazing. All right, Joe, we're gonna move on to athlete on fire, man. And to, to start this one off, we uh, we're just gonna start with a, a really inspiring mantra or quote that you like. Uh, well, I guess recently I liked uh, this this guy uh, Roman Dial. He's a an Iditarod uh, bike racer. And uh, he, 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 quoted, he was quoted in a, an article that was, uh, you pack your insecurities. Um, and so, you know, you're going out into the, to the Alaskan wilderness in the winter and, uh, and this idea that what you bring with you is to kind of, you know, you pack your insecurities. I, I really like that, that idea. So, so for, what, for the type of stuff that you're doing, I, I mean, that probably applies really well. How, how would you apply that to, to someone that you're coaching or just trying to explain why that's important? I guess it's it's a matter of figuring out how um, your your skill set, what you're comfortable with, um, what you're looking for in the experience. You know, if you're going out for uh, just a, a run that, that you're looking to to have more comfort in, or are you going for like sort of a vision quest? Um, you know, it, it depends kind of how you're looking to define uh, your experience. And so it's not about simplifying uh, to be just uh, you know stupid about it or taking risk that's unnecessary. But rather, just trying to match your skill set with um, the terrain and the demands of the terrain, um, and then you know figuring out what you're comfortable bringing or or not bringing. Um, so I, you know, I usually tell people that, that you just, it's a step, it's stepping stones. You have to take your time to sort of uh, refine um, how little sort of you can bring and how how uh, how simple you can make the experience, um, just so you can you can kind of live it fully. I mean, this, this is like the most literal and figurative quote in the history of man. I mean, it applies to both things for ultra running, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken there, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much everything that you, you, you think about before you go out. It's like, what, what do I need to be safe? But then how do I sort of define safety and what do I think is you know, necessary? And so therefore, you know, what, what kind of fears am I packing to bring, to bring along with me, you know? So, yeah. so relate that to yourself. What, what's something that you've brought that you don't think you've, you've needed in the past? 
Oh gosh, a lot of things. You know, I, mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I started when I started running. You know, I thought I, you know, I'd gone a half hour run, and I thought I'd, I needed a couple, couple cliff bars and <laughs> a backpack. You know, and it was a, it was a much. I, I was coming from that that climbing kind of backpacking background, so it wasn't just oh, strip it all down and and, and bring nothing. Um, on the same same token, you know, I've I evolved into doing like I did the um, ran around the Mount Rainier on the Wonderland Trail, so. 96 mile trail around the Wonderland Trail um, around around Rainier, and uh, on that on that run, I brought about 20 gels, a headlamp, a windbreaker, and a water bottle. Um, and you know, it's it's a little bit intimidating setting out from the parking lot where you're essentially going for a 96 mile run um, in a uh, mountainous mountainous environment and and not really bringing hardly anything. Uh, and that was certainly an intentional decision before I went. I was like, I, I just, I want to have the full on experience. I know I'm probably going to bonk. I know I'm probably going to, you know, have some, some, uh, uh, weird visions out there, but it was sort of what I was looking for. So in that case, it, it worked out quite well for me. No, that's awesome. And, and this is cliche, but just when you can get comfortable being uncomfortable in business and life and in athletics, you make huge strides because it allows you to break through some major walls. Definitely. All right, so we're going to go into adversity for you. So think think about a time, and it can be it can be that that Rainier run, or it could be a competition when you knew that you were a hundred percent ready. You went out there, nothing worked. You absolutely hit the wall. I'd say uh, 2013 Hard Rock. Um, you know, Hard Rock hundreds are a really special race for me. I I, I love that. I love the event and. Um, uh, coming into the race, uh, I had a lot going on in my, li- in my life. I just bought a house. Um, I, I was doing the training. I felt like I was really ready. Um, and then halfway through the, the race, I started peeing blood. And initially, I thought that it might be renal failure or something. I found out later that it was actually kidney stones. Oof. And so it was just a, it was just a really challenging uh, moment for me because you know, in retrospect, I, you know, I'd get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, go running all day, come back, maybe take a sip of water, you know, somewhere in there. But it was this sort of accumulation of kind of three months of, uh, of not really drinking enough um, that wow. you know, ca- caused the kidney stones to happen. So little things like that can really kind of throw off um, what seems like, you know, my preparation is going great. And then you come to the race and you, you can't put it together um, because you haven't taken care of the little things beforehand. Wow. So, you know, I think I've had a couple get. I'm not sure if any of my other guests have done hard rock, but I think that they have. But why don't you take a second and just describe this event? Take a minute or so for people who aren't in Colorado like we are uh, that don't really know that that area. Just yeah. just paint a picture for us real quick. Yeah. So the hard rock hundreds is uh, takes place in the southern Colorado in the San Juan Mountains. Uh, it starts in Silverton and it's uh, every year it changes direction. It goes clockwise or counterclockwise going through the towns of uh, Telluride and Ure. And you go over about eight or ten, uh, over eight or ten passes that are close to 13,000 feet or over. And you also um, go up Handy's Peak, which is a 14er. And so the total gain, uh, elevation gain and loss of the race is 33,000 feet going up and 33,000 feet going down. Um, it's also a very high altitude event. You, you average above 11,200 feet, uh, the entire time, um, which is kind of part of the, part of the challenge. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's amazing. And it looks like you have some pictures on your site from there. Are, are some of this from, from hard rock? There are. Yeah. There's, yeah. um, 
I, I believe there's some from 2011, 2012, I think 2013 as well. So definitely a mix of um, this is this will be my fourth year running it um, this summer. So nice. So really quick, just to the adversity piece, you're how, how far in were you before you start your, your kidney stones were giving you a big issue? Well, I, uh, everything is going really well until about mile 45. And, uh, that's when I stopped, I was feeling okay still. I stopped and I peed and that's when, you know, my urine had blood in it. Um, and partly I think because of dehydration and such, it was, it's definitely a darker coloration. And I was just pretty concerned about that. I have friends who've, um, had renal failure and, and, you know, been in pretty extreme situations, uh, because of, because of that. Um, and so that, that definitely concerned me, but I wasn't actually feeling physically that bad at that point. Um, by the time I reached Ure, which is essentially the halfway point of the race, uh, it was full on just, uh, I was, I was in definitely in physical pain. I was not sure what was going on with the, the, the blood. And then I also, uh, it really threw me off emotionally as well. Um, there's something about uh, it's got this mood alteration when you have uh, kidney stones. It's like sort of your your emotional core, I guess, down there. And uh, and it really it was really bizarre. It was a very um, I felt very out of control in terms of my body and my sensations, and not just the normal pain of like oh my knee hurts or you know I, I can the things that you can kind of usually deal with. Here it was a, a very very different different sensation. So as somebody who runs a lot, what, what is your advice for hydration and what, is, what do you do now to, to ensure that you're, you're staying healthy in that place? I think for me, the, the biggest change is just being more aware of it on a daily basis. Uh, I've, you know, the, the kind of the fitter you get, the, it seems like the less you need to drink in some ways um, because your body just adapts. And, and I think the body is uh, very, very resilient and whatever you give it, it's going to kind of work with and, and adapt to that. So if you're not Given it a ton of water, it becomes more efficient at it, but it can also, you know, suffer greatly from that. So for me, um, on a daily basis, it's important just to remind myself to not just drink coffee in the morning and have a couple beers at night and then not drink any water, <laughs> you know, in between that, but actually just drink some water or eat foods that have um, good water content, like, you know, fruits and salads and, and things that, you know, can just bring you um, hydration uh, good minerals and vitamins without, you know, necessarily just kind of, um, gorging yourself with, with water all day. Yeah. Um, so I guess just for me, it's definitely just brought more awareness to the fact that I need to, um, hydrate my body better, um, throughout the day. Yeah. 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 I, and you know, I think, I think it's good for people to hear this. And I mean, you're an old, you're an ultra runner. You put a lot of, you put a lot of miles on your legs, but for every everyday people who just have a hard time with hydration, it's just got to be a conscious effort, you know, it does. It makes yeah. a huge, huge difference. And to speak to the beer piece, I mean, we're in Colorado, there's over 150 microbreweries here. Like by my, within three miles of my house, you have like four microbreweries. So yep. that, that's a tough one to knock out of the diet. I think. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. And it's, 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 it's silly. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, there's, there's a lot of great beer, a lot of great, um, you know, creations. People are, people are really just very, very good at crafting, um, crafting good beer. So yeah, it's a wonderful yeah. thing. I enjoy it. All right. So we're going to move on to, so we're, we're still an athlete on fire. We're, we're talking physical and mental and, and that is definitely a physical piece, but why don't you tell us like, uh, okay, you're training for Hard Rock for this year. You're two months out. What would like a Wednesday morning look like or the whole day? Just take us through a day in the life of you. 
during a life training for hard rock, the, the specificity of hard rock is that it's a high altitude race, you know, so you can get in the, the vertical um, pretty much wherever as long as you have, you know, a steep enough hill. A lot of the climbs are three, four, five thousand feet long, so they're, they're long climbs and that, that can be a little bit challenging. So I definitely seek out having um, some long climbs to be able to do, so where I'm climbing for an hour, an hour and a half in training. Um, just going up is, is really important for hard rock. And then just getting the, the altitude exposure. So for me, it would mean uh, frequent trips to the closest would be Leadville, um, get up to 10,000 feet, and then go hike a lot of the, the peaks in the Sawatch range, um, get up to 14,000 feet. Uh, really makes a, a big, big difference. Um, I have the luxury of having kind of a pretty flexible um, lifestyle, and I can, I can work um, you know, from my laptop, from the coffee shop, which is which is a great advantage in terms of, um, you know, being able to train uh, in, you know, specifically for a race like hard rock. So what would, what would be your advice? Cause we have, we have a lot of runners on here and I, and I think a lot of runners are listening for doing a long climb. Uh, a lot of people who are starting out and they want to go do some trail runs, whether it's starting on a trail half marathon or, or these ultras, what's your advice for, for the long uphills when you're shuffling, you're no longer really efficient at running do you tell people just to power walk it or push through? What, what's your advice? Definitely. Yeah, learn to hike. Hiking is, is, is huge in, in, uh, in long-distance running because ultimately you can use it to your advantage. If you're a really good hiker, um, it, you're, you know, you're switching up your muscle groups um, that you're using. Um, you're, you're more efficient. It gives you kind of a mental break as well. Like You, you, know, you, get, you get to the next climb. You're like, okay, I'm going to hike for an hour and a half and, um, and you know, not have to kind of run and, and, and have that, that sort of, uh, I don't know, that just impatient feel to try and get to the top of the hill. You kind of just have to, to sit back, be patient, and, and hike hard. I mean, it's not, it doesn't mean that hiking is, uh, is easy. You can get pretty, pretty anaerobic doing it. Um, but certainly, I think it's just a, a different mindset to be able to switch in and out of hiking and running and do that comfortably, efficiently, um, and not see it just as like, okay, I get to to a certain point in the race where all I can do is hike. I, yeah. A hard rock, the first climb, I'm hiking, you know, and I'm hiking fast and hard, but it's something, you know, I've practiced in training um, and it's something I'm using to my advantage, you know, so. Yeah. No, no, you know, I think a lot of beginners think that they have to be running every second. And the thing is, hiking is great cross training for, for, for the aerobic, uh, the aerobic, more aerobic pieces of running. And, uh, you get to build up different muscles, you get to save different muscles, and and you're probably going to be faster in the long run if you don't burn yourself out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's you know it's certainly applied to the terrain. It, when you know, once it's steep enough uh, and the race is long enough, uh, you know you are more efficient. Period. You know, and so it's just a matter of if it's a gradual grade and you're running a shorter distance race, um, then then maybe you do have a, a benefit of, of trying to run as much as you can. But if it's if it's a longer race or the the grade's real steep, I mean certainly you know the the hills around Boulder, uh, you can find plenty of steep enough terrain that warrants hiking, and that's good uh, good practice for that. So so are you cross training or doing any strength on your own outside of the running? I climb a fair amount still. Yeah, um, and it's uh, it's difficult to to do a, another sport at a high level. Um, so certainly you know when I'm I'm specific with with my running and really trying to train for running um the climbing kind of takes a backseat but in, in terms of um you know climbing hard 
uh, but it's still great to to go and do you know a two three hour run in the morning and and then maybe either head outside or go to the climbing gym in the evening um, and just get 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 some laps in um, and that's I think that's really great just for building general athleticism and um, core strength and and it's just fun too it's not it doesn't feel like work you know it feels yeah. like a, a, just a great an activity that I enjoy so. The only time it really feels like work is when you're working on a boulder pro- problem and uh, and you do it 30 times in a row and then then uh, pop up a tendon, <laughs> rupture a tendon. That's when it feels like work. <laughs> it de- definitely does there. And, and, you know, I, I try, and that's part of the thing is I try to just, you know, it's not that I don't push myself. It's that I I'm also pretty aware that that the main sport that I'm doing is running, and so I don't want to go and, and ruin myself climbing. Yeah, um, if it's if it's gonna you know negatively impact my running, so it's it's yeah. a great the, the most the strongest I've ever been in my life is when I when I was running, still playing ball, snowboarding, and climbing a lot because the climbing just filled in the blanks of everything that I couldn't get. I'm not a big I, I go to the gym, but I'm not a big gym lifting guy. So for you guys out there that have never tried it before, go out there. You, you'll be amazed at how strong you get. I agree completely. All right, so that's that's kind of the physical piece. Let's just talk mental a little bit. Are there any like weird superstitious rituals that you go through before you compete? I'm not I'm not really superstitious. No, I just uh, I, I I like to have things in order. I, I think I keep things very simple before a race, and I don't like uh, to you know overthink things and have oh um, if I don't have this like, specific you know. Uh, shirt or something like I, I, I really try to avoid getting too attached to those kinds of things, um, which I think just helps me be you know relaxed going to the race. I know the the basic things that I need um, to 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 compete, and um, and those are the things I take care of. And then outside of that, as long as all my kind of my ducks are in a row, I try to just stay pretty detached um, from uh, you know from getting too caught up in the the anxiety or whatever the night before a race. No, that's great. And then I think everybody has has positive habits that they know contribute to success. So do you do you have a couple of those that you could share with people that that they might be able to draw from? Uh, consistency is really big for me. Uh, just trying to getting out every day, basically. And it doesn't mean getting out and and training really hard every day. It just means you know getting sort of the, the nourishing aspects of just being out outside. Um, and, and, and go in and whether it's running or climbing or, or just even going for a walk around my, my neighborhood, you know, just to, to kind of clear the air and be outside. That's, that's a f- huge piece for me is being consistent with activity and being consistent with, you know, getting, getting outside and being in contact with, uh, with, you know, things that inspire me basically. Awesome. Awesome. So, so we're here with Joe Grant. We just went over uh, our athlete on fire segment, and we touched on the importance of hydrating. He had a really crazy experience where he he was actually getting kidney stones during one of the most brutal races in the world. Uh, we talked a little bit about the mental application of consistency and how important that is, and why he's not superstitious and it helps him to relax before events. So I think there's a lot of takeaways in that segment. And before we move to athlete inspired, Joe, I always have a fun little quiz or like we're going to take it away from the serious stuff for a second. So okay. we're going to do that right now. So I know you've traveled to a lot of places. I actually asked Joe before we got on, I knew he's traveled a lot, but I didn't know exactly where. So he, he told me a few of his favorite places. So what I'm doing is I'm looking at his, his website. He's, he coaches some ultra runners as well. And his philosophy is actually, uh, really, uh, it's amazing. Actually, it's not cookie cutter. He, he takes it and he makes it his own. Uh, and really quick, Joe, what was your degree in when you went to school in France? 
I studied uh, international management and uh, focused on nonprofit work. <laughs> oh, very cool. So right down, right exactly what you're doing now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but his philosophy is interesting. So one of the f- the four components of his philosophy, and I, and I think he probably applies this to himself as much as as much of his, as, as his students is, is inspiration. And I'm going to read that to you guys. And it says the driving force be- behind both vision and practice should be inspiration. Whether it's a beautiful landscape, a dream, a friend or mentor, an idea, something must lift you up and keep you motivated. Cultivating that sense of wonder of all is paramount to a full, rich experience. So we're going to take that piece of your philosophy, Joe, and we're going to apply that to, to four places that you said you really like. And you're going to tell us why these places are inspiring and, and how they've given you a full, rich experience. You can take a short anecdote. You can take something that happened on, on a race or, or just a story that, that resounds. Uh, let's keep the answers to about 20 or 30 seconds, though, okay? Okay. All right, so let's go into France where you, where you grew up. So France, where I grew up, uh, gosh, just something inspiring. Um, I think for me, the, the countryside, uh, I, I grew up in sort of like wine country, and uh, there was a lot of just open spaces, rolling hills, uh, and, and it was just a really formative for me as a kid, you know, to, to just uh, go out and play in the, in the, in the fields, and, and it felt very, um, yeah, very natural, very... Uh, very simple kind of life. Yeah. So really quick. So people listen are probably listening on their phones right now, but when they get online, is there a place in France that they can look up on Google maps and go see and check out what you're talking about right now? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Nantes, uh, and in, uh, which is, uh, on the West coast. It's N A N T E S is the way you spell the, the, the name of the city. Uh, but uh, I definitely grew up on the on the on the outskirts of the city in the in the in more rural environment around there. So uh, it's it's been developed now, like like most places. But um, when we first moved there, it was uh, there was only a couple houses and farms, and so it was it was very uh, very nice and rural. Very cool. That's funny because <laughs> pre-show you told me where you grew up, and I and I translated it into Galt, which is not even close. So that's. <laughs> I was sitting here looking for it on the maps. All right, so number two, let's go through an inspiring story about Nepal. Nepal, uh, I trekked the, I went around the Annapurna circuit out there. Wow. And uh, that was, uh, I guess, just inspiring in of itself. Uh, we were really lucky because uh, we went in January, so there's no tourists at all. I think we saw five other people total on the um, on the on the circuit the entire time which is not often the case on the Annapurna circuit. Um, but just, just the first time seeing uh, the Himalayas um, up close, and uh, we, um, I got off, to, to off the beaten path quite a bit and went to see some, 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 some temples and some um, uh, shrines that were, were just pretty intriguing. It was just kind of all weaved into to what I was reading about at the time. And, yeah, so I think, I think the Himalayas just alone is pretty inspiring um, and certainly, uh, like I was up at 18,000 feet and you look up and you've still got 10,000 feet of relief wow. on, on the mountains. And that's, that's, that's pretty exceptional. Oh, that just gives me chills thinking about it. All right. Uh, and, and speaking of relief, we, me and Joe actually did decide that Alaska is not a country, although he, <laughs> he named it as a country. So we, we both agree that it's big enough and it's amazing enough to be considered a country today on our show. So go ahead and talk about Alaska for a second. Yeah, Alaska. My first uh, first time going up to Alaska was to run the uh, Susitna hundred miler, uh, which is 
uh, another winter uh, uh, race um, kind of close to Anchorage. And uh, I guess I was just taken by by the immensity of, of, of the land there and just just the, the, the amount of wilderness and, and how how quiet and, and sort of remote and small you can feel. Um, and there's, there's not really many places that I've been to where, where it's hit me on that, that kind of level. Yeah. Did you get a chance to go to Denali? I did not. No, I saw, I saw Denali um, yeah. o- over the, over the water there, but I, I was, I was there just, yeah, in the middle of the winter. So every time I've been, it's, um, and I'm actually going at the end of this month to, to North to Fairbanks to, to run the white mountains hundred. Um, but, Hopefully, I'll, I'll, I've only been once in the summer, which is uh, which I went to Juneau, which is really amazing as well. Sweet. Okay, this is has nothing to do with Joe. I'm going to share a story. Me and uh, my wife, sister, and a few friends and family members, all young, f- four years ago, we bought a van in Colorado. I bought it off of Craigslist. All my friends thought it was crazy because they thought they that it break down. 15 passenger van. We drove it up to Alaska, Fairbanks, Denali. Seward, we did some back backcountry stuff all the way up in the in the Canadian Rockies, awesome. and uh, it was one of the most amazing trips we've ever taken. So if you guys have a chance, and you can sell your vehicle for a lot more up there because it's hard to get them up there, so you can pay for your flight on the way back. But we did that, and it was pretty cool. All right, lastly, Ethiopia, which is a little change up from all the other ones. Yeah, I spent a month there with my wife. Uh, it was a, the tail end of a, a work trip that we did for eight months in Kenya. Uh, we were building uh, primary schools out in out in Kenya, and uh, decided to uh, go to Ethiopia for a month uh, before we headed back to the U.S. And uh, just uh, one of the more sort of remarkable places I've ever been. Um, both of this kind of mix mix of the very ancient uh, culture and feel. Uh, there's um, we went to visit the the rock hewn churches in uh, Lalibela, uh, which was. A really notable part of the trip, um, and uh, yeah, just just the just the people, the culture, the food, the whole mix of um, maybe it was just because it was unexpected. Um, we didn't we didn't really know what we were getting into, and and just had a, an incredible time um, visiting that country. I'd, I'd highly recommend going there. Oh, that's awesome, man! And I feel like I could just sit. I tell I say this every time I have someone on that's traveled well that we could just sit here have a seven-hour show just about traveling, take people to all kinds of different places in the world, and it would be amazing. But it does have to end and now. So we're going to go on to Athlete Inspired. Thanks for all those stories. I appreciate it. Uh, so the first question for Athlete Inspired is, is legacy important to you? It is, yeah. I think uh, more so maybe for uh, the – like, for instance, my grandfather left me – uh, a lot of journals um, that he had written for me um, when I was a, a teenager or uh, as I was growing up. And so I have a collection of 20, 25 um, journals that he uh, he gave to me. And, um, you know, those are things that I can kind of dip into and see, you know, what he was thinking at the time and the kind of this conversation that he was having with me about um, about the world, about, you know, his, his life and, and such. And so those that type of legacy on a very personal level is, is, is really important to me, uh, to be able to connect with, um, whether it's family or friends or yeah, yeah. people. That, yeah. So he wrote those to you specifically. He wrote them to me. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. powerful, man. That's, that's really cool. Anybody who's had a close relationship with the grandparent. I mean, that's, that's amazing. All right. So is there somebody or something that's inspiring you right now? 
Oh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, polls from all different sides. I'd say you know uh, I, I like uh, I like to look into the surf culture a lot. I, I, I like uh, following surfing a lot and sort of the way they document their sport uh, is uh, is uh, pretty inspiring to me. And guys like uh, Derek Hind, who's uh, doing a lot of surfing without fins on the boards and uh, doing uh, doing all sorts of cool stuff, going really fast uh, on on the waves and just kind of a different approach to. To, to riding waves, that that's certainly a, a very creative kind of approach to it that that I seek inspiration from for for my own you know running and, and time in the mountains. No, that's great. Uh, I'm, I'm working on getting a couple surfers on the show because just the mentality is interesting and the lifestyle is, is totally interesting. I think to most people. Definitely. All right, let's go to uh, a favorite book that you have that you'd like to recommend. I go with Jack Turner. Uh, Jack Turner's book, The Abstract Wild. Um, and it's a, it's a fantastic uh, collection of essays on the environment and uh, just kind of his philosophy and approach to, um, yeah, kind of environmental protection, but also just in, a, in an essay format, um, yeah, The Abstract Wild by Jack Turner. Nice, nice. All right, so we're getting close to wrapping up here, and uh, we're such a connected society. I'm going to have you in a second tell us how to get connected with you. I always do this piece uh, based on the Jimmy V speech 20 years ago, and he, he says there's three things that you should do every day, and I'm going to ask you about those things. Okay, so what makes you laugh every day? Uh, my wife's reaction to looking at me in the morning when I get up, and it's just, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it just usually like my hair's all over the place, and I look kind of like a a homeless guy getting out of bed and she's always a little comment that that's pretty amusing. Yeah. Just to paint a picture, we, we were doing a little video before we got on the show. Joe, Joe's sporting some hair, man. He's got it growing everywhere. Yeah. I, I got some hair specifically on the head. Um, <laughs> I'm more challenged in the beard front, but you know, you do what you can. Oh, that's funny. All right. So let's go to the other end of the spectrum. What, what are you passionate about enough on a daily basis that brings you to tears? Oh, mountains! You know, I, I I look out my my door and I just uh, the, just the the natural beauty of the of the the mountains and the the environment around me. It's just uh, it's sometimes it's just so overwhelming that yeah, I definitely definitely is is really what I live for. Awesome, awesome! And, and the last one that that he asks people to do every day is to think. So, what do you do to make sure that your brain's firing off every day? I actually think that uh, writing and photography. Really uh, push my sort of curiosity and just think, thinking about you know ways to look at, uh, at different um, experiences that I'm having. Whether it's trying to you know work an angle to take a picture or thinking of like oh, I'd like to write about that that detail or, or or thing. So just kind of framing I guess my daily activities around the idea that you want to share um, part of that experience with others, and so that that definitely keeps my kind of intellectual curiosity, I guess, live. Awesome. awesome. Hey, so really quick, I had a question. What kind of camera did you take most of the pictures on your site from? Oh, a variety of cameras. Uh, currently, I'm using uh, an Olympus OMD uh, EM5, which is just kind of a uh, um, mirrorless camera. I like it because it's small and I can carry it on uh, on runs, but it also has a, a pretty high um, quality level. I also honestly shoot a ton of pictures on just on my phone too. Um, and, and I guess it's just a matter of, um, what camera you have with you at the time and, and you know, what you can, uh, just trying to capture the moment with, with what you got in your hand. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I always think that's my sister's a professional photographer and I'm always asking the, the technical questions there. All right. So I'm gonna give you a, a second, Joe, just to let everybody know, you know, if you guys liked what you heard today and you want to get in touch with them, how, how can people get in touch with you? Definitely the website is uh, the place I'd start, alpine-works.com. Uh, there's uh, my contact uh, contact page there. Uh, there's also links to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, that that would probably be you know the best place to start. Awesome, awesome. And I would say, like I've said 800 times, just go there and pop it up. If you're sitting in a cubicle, you can go travel through the site. It's pretty cool. All right, we're going to pull everything full circle, man. We're going to go back to the very first question I asked you in the Athlete Defined segment. Uh, if that 15-year-old version of yourself who's rollerblading all over France was sitting <laughs> was sitting right in front of you, what kind of advice would you give him right now? Keep doing what you're doing. You know, I think uh, I was uh, lucky enough to, to kind of have a, uh, a, uh, a pretty open approach to life, being pretty just uh, pretty flexible and, and kind of go with the flow. And uh, I certainly a part of my, my personality that, that I, I liked and I think that I, you know, would urge that person to, to keep doing it's just kind of keep keep getting after it and and uh you know pursuing those dreams yeah definitely joe th- you know thank you so much for your time today i think this was one of this is one of the better shows i've done it's very interesting and i, I want to thank you for for sharing everything oh thank thank you very much yeah for having me and this is to everybody else out there you guys were listening to me scott jones the host of athlete on fire and you were inspired by joe grant today who's absolutely an athlete on fire thank you very much Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.